Oh my goodness, you guys. So I, <laughs> I've been talking to today's guest, uh, Chanel Collette, literally for, I don't know, probably 10 minutes before this. And I feel like, I feel like there's like the, that scene in Step Brothers um, when they like look at each other and they're like, did we just become best friends? And then they're like, do you want to go do karate in the garage? And then they make the bunk beds and there's so much room for activities. Uh, I feel like that's kind of what just happened. Um, like we were just kind of talking through the way that she thinks about running her business and, and the way that she thinks about nutrition and, and just like the, the whole thought process. It resonates so much with me and I'm so excited for today's episode. I feel like it's going to be an amazing conversation. Um, but if you guys don't know who Chanel is, you're about to find out. Um, to give you guys a little idea of Chanel's background, so she has had many roles within the fitness industry, and she proudly wears two very, very important uh, roles. I would call them crowns, to be honest with you, because she's kind of the queen of these two things. Um, she's an audacious athlete and a coach. Um, she's a competitive physique athlete, formerly Miss Bikini Universe Pro, badass, uh, and now is a nationally qualified MPC bikini competitor. She's a certified strength and conditioning coach, a fitness nutrition specialist, and she's been in the fitness industry in one way or another since 2008. And over that time, I mean, you see a bunch of trends come and go, uh, and you see the growth of social media, and it takes that industry by storm. Um, but it's all, you know, something where she's been able to master it and uh, and grow both, you know, helping more people and, and build this amazing business by just being unapologetic and uh, making making her own business on her own terms and, and setting those audacious goals for herself. And so, number one, Chanel, thank you so much for joining me. Number two, we have a dog with the same name, uh, and I'm so happy. They almost look exactly like we're on Team Louie uh, and Team, Team Audacious. Louis. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me. So, talk me through this journey because. You've been in the industry for 12 years, and I mean, number one, I love the fact that you use the word audacious, and uh, you have you have the hashtag like stronger, not skinnier. It just makes me so help uh, so happy um, because I love where your heads are. But talk me through like this journey, and uh, and I'm also interested. Like, were you always on team like uh, team audacious goals and team um, strong, not skinny? Like, where is this kind of? So it's journey? it's not stronger, not skinny because I don't like I don't want to give skinny power anymore. Um, I want to point out that women are constantly fighting this journey of just to be smaller, whether that's be our voice, whether that's be the clothing that we wear, whether that be our actual physical size of our body. So like, I think that when you say skinnier and it, it implies, again, it's this so bit, so much focus on, you know, how our, our bodies are supposed to be. Whereas like the smaller also is how your mind thinks, how your body is. And like, so I really like to, you know, stray away from the word skinny yeah. as much as possible. I realized I like had it written down in front of me and I just read the word skinny. I have no, no, no idea. Worries. Um, I have it written in like three places too. So stronger, not smaller. Uh, yeah, that's why I can't smaller. have nice thing. <laughs> no, it's okay. I love that hashtag though, but talk me through that. Like, was it, what, how, how has that journey kind of uh, shaped you? And, and it, are these kind of these, these core values of like being the audacious coach and, and, uh, and stronger, not smaller, like, has that been a part of that journey the whole time or has there yeah. been some so, experience in the process? So obviously being a, a female and then a female who wanted to be in physique sports, um, and physique sports at the level I was at was bikini. And I actually, I actually didn't think I had enough tissue at first um, to even do bikini. Um, and I, I was like, oh, well, I need to capitalize on the fact that I have this like more exotic look and I need to go the model division. Like in the previous federation that I was in, they had the model division, they had bikini, then they had women's food figure and then women's fitness. So there's four divisions. I never like was like, okay, I'm, I'm definitely not in the realm of bikini yet. Um, I'm still in this model division. Um, but we were able to cross over. So I crossed over one year. And after kind of tanking in the model division, um, I was like, you know, just kind of winging it for the bikini the next day. I was like, yeah, whatever. And I ended up winning the the title. And after competing for I, at that point, I think three, three years, maybe, maybe two, I can't quite remember now at this point. Um, but it was a more international based federation. Um, 
fitness universe, fitness America or muscle mania. That's kind of under the big muscle mania umbrella, but the like women's divisions were considered fitness America, fitness universe. So in 2014 down in Miami, Florida, I won, I won the title. And they then created in 2015, a pro division for bikini, um, which they had never done that because the president of the Federation just thought that that was kind of weird. He was like, bikini doesn't need a pro card. Like that's weird. And that's just how he viewed the the sport in general, but he appeased to where the sport was going. Um, grandfathered a couple of people into it, but on, at my particular show is when I actually was the first awarded pro on stage. So I competed as a bikini, compete bikini pro. Um, by myself, coached myself, and I, at that point, I've been dieting perpetually for four, five, who knows even how many years, because I just always chased being smaller. I always chased being thinner, leaner, um, and I ate uh, very little for performance when in the grand scheme of things, when I look back at you know my eating habits, and when I look back at my cardio habits, and when I look back at my lack of strength training progression, like complete lack of it. Um, and so it was easy for my body to be small, but it was also really easy for me to constantly fight gaining weight because my body, anytime I would go on vacation, anytime. And so I tried to kind of live this balanced lifestyle where like I could go on vacation and I'd be like, I come back and I'd be like, shit, I've gained 10 pounds. Like, how does this happen? Like I would just constantly, I was in the same battle that so many women are in and I ended up was like frustrated because I ended up prepping for my first bikini pro show and my body looked terrible I felt terrible um, I had no reason to be on that stage but I just felt this pressure of being the first awarded pro I internalized that pressure I, I spent money I had sponsors for my costume I had sponsors for my suit and I was just like I, I gotta go so I'm gonna go so I tried to diet completely unsuccessful um, diet. I still stepped on stage, very much a humbling experience for sure to literally be on the bottom of the rung in terms of the pro, whereas I was at the top of the barrel the year before. I don't even top of the barrel is a phrase. I don't even know where that came from, but um, <laughs> I had a top of the roster, whatever. Um, you know, I had all this pressure and I remember, I remember seeing, um, her name, her name, Taddy Boyle. She was a pro um, with my federation before going over to another federation, um, the WBFF. I remember watching her as an amateur. She stepped on that stage with beautiful structure tissue, beautiful shape. And I was just like, gosh, she's just so strong. Like she looks strong up there on that stage. She doesn't look dieted. Um, I mean, I remember her backstage. She didn't even have like her hair and makeup hardly done. Like she just killed it with the physique that she brought to that stage. And that was really admirable in my opinion. And I, I really loved, like I said, and I started following her, I started seeing how she was training. Um, and I knew she had a coach and I knew I probably needed somebody to oversee me um, because I was a workhorse. Um, I always put up my clients before myself. Um, so I, I definitely hired a bodybuilding coach. Like when I say bodybuilding coach, I say like, I was in, in over my head slightly. I was a lamb on a team of giant 300 pound men lions. Like I had like, I didn't know what I was thinking, but I was just like, this guy is impressive and his athletes are impressive. And he is kind of a lesser known person, but like I could just see so much intelligence in him. I could see this, this light of bodybuilding that he was going to ignite in me. Um, and I, not that I didn't have that light myself, but I had gotten so clouded by the messages about women and the message about female physique athletes and what we should look like and how we should be and how we should be five to eight pounds from our stage weight. Like what on earth? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and this guy was like, not about that at all. He was like, you're going to train, you're going to get yourself up to 2000 calories a day. And he really had like a really good message for me at the time. Um, and I was a little nervous, not going to lie. Like I, I, there was times where in the initial part of our relationship, I didn't check in with him because I was insecure about my progress. I was insecure about how I looked. Um, 
you know, I was insecure about tracking macros, like macro tracking was like such a new thing in 2015, I think is when I joined his roster. And um, like, I, like, I think my fitness pal have just like come on the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just different. It's a, such that. a different world. Amazing. Yeah. 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 It's such a different world now. Um, so anyways, so fast forward to where he brought my physique in um, me to be able to step on stage as a bikini pro again, like I looked around at my federation and I was like, Oh, crud. like there's no buddy who has the density I have. And like I was able to put on a pretty good amount of density pretty quickly when my body responded to his style of training and him teaching me, you know, truly how to do straight sets and bodybuilding, how to do drop sets, how to, how to really execute my training being more power paramount to me than my diet or how my body looked. And all of a sudden my body started to look how I wanted it to look. And, um, it was really like, like, it was like the, the clouds parted or clouds, whatever the sea separated. I don't know, but like literally ignited something in me that I knew was there. I just didn't have the tools to unpack all of that yet. Um, and I knew, I mean, I, I had Dana Lynn Bailey up in my like office as inspiration. Like I knew what I wanted for my physique. Um, and this was like prior to her even being a physique athlete. So, you know, I knew that I just had a propensity for muscle tissue. I just had to find it. I just had to figure it out. So I tapped into that. Um, obviously there was still hormonal issues present underlying my physique. Um, so I had to learn how to, again, step out of that non-dieting world, really prioritize training. Um, and like it, it, I took an entire year off of competing. I switched federations back to the MPC because my physique just had overshot what the bikini division looked like in fitness America, fitness universe. Like there was just nobody who, you know, had cap shoulders and bikini. There was nobody who had, you know, uh, hamstrings and glutes kind of thing. Like that wasn't the, that wasn't the look they were looking for in that division at that time. I was, I was overshooting that mark. So I knew I didn't want to bring down my physique to still be in that federation. And I tried to go figure in that federation and I ended up placing the same as if I didn't try to go figure because I secretly just crossed over one year. I placed second and then I actually prepped for the figure show and I placed second again. <laughs> That's crazy. So, yeah. So it was just, um, it was just a very different federation. Things were m- definitely based on more of like your marketing potential of your look. Um, there was not a single person on the panel that wasn't in fitness marketing as a judge. And I was wanting to be judged on my physique more so than my look. And NPC was just, they were setting the mark. They were setting the mark high for that. Um, judging was compare. You were doing comparison rounds. Like we didn't do that. We had, we had one individual and then we were judged and they were doing comparisons. And that's just like where the, the, the big, the big playing field was like mm. my coach told me, he was like, you can either play in the pond that you're in now, or you can play on the big field of bodybuilding. And he, he definitely encouraged me to see my true potential. Um, and I really can't thank him enough. I mean, it's, uh, our relationship was like through two and a half years. And then I ended up having a bunch of kind of hormonal things come to light, um, after years of probably years of birth control use, um, years of not having a cycle, um, years of accepting that that was just how fitness competitors live their life. We don't have cycles. Cool. Wow. Like, what's that? I don't even know. Like, so, uh, so I had to, I had to find other, other, another route to take. And that's when I linked up with Jason Theobald. And that's when he was like, you can't step on stage like anytime soon. Mm-hmm. He was like, this blood work is a mess. <laughs> yeah. And so that's again, where I had to, I had to like tell myself like, okay, if this is what I'm advocating to the world to be stronger, not smaller, I've got to, I've got to make sure that that's something that I'm practicing day in and day out. And, you know, Jason was really good with me. He definitely understood, you know, my stance in the fitness industry of being a coach myself and wanting to get myself healthier. And he, he, like, once we started some of his protocols, like my body just, again, 
was able to produce more tissue again. It was able to be healthy. I was able to be really happy in my day-to-day life. My food choices expanded. My digestion improved. My just overall like mission in my business too was improving because I was overall, my health was improving Mm -hmm. and my strength was improving in the gym. I mean, I've never been as strong as I've been now, even in a prep state, even in a deficit state that we've been in for um, thinking that I would potentially step on stage. Like I'm just so much stronger now. And the strength that I have now is, is so much more worth it to me than I mean, obviously everything I had to go through was, was worth it in its way because it's brought me to where I am today. But if I could have told myself in my twenties, what I know about myself now, like, I don't even like, I don't want to say hindsight's 2020. Like, I don't know where I would be if I had capitalized on this in my twenties and, and I'd been taught the correct way back then where my physique would be at now, you know, what I, what I would have accomplished. Um, Cause I really kind of see the sky as the limit in terms of like what training and progressive training has done for my physique. And and now granted, I'm not saying that my physique is what every single woman wants to aspire to. And I know that, but it's given me so much more peace of mind and so much more comfort in my day-to-day life and my overall body image. And it's given me so much more accept, self-acceptance like than I've ever had before. And that all stemmed from appropriate training and appropriate nutrient intake and and understanding all that goes into actually being strong both physically and internally like I 100% would never diet myself if my blood work didn't show that I was in an optimal state like we wouldn't we wouldn't have gone into a dieting phase we wouldn't have I wouldn't do that like if things don't showcase that I'm doing good there's no reason to to revert regardless of what I feel like I look like in the mirror if my body internally doesn't say the gear should shift to dieting, I'm never going to shift that way. That's, I love that so much. And I think that's like, it's smart because like dieting and training is, is stress for the body. Right. And so if you're already showing signs of uh, stress, right. Hormones Mm -hmm. are a a great marker of that. uh, Then, you know, like added stress is not going to be beneficial for you long term. But I, I think it's cool too, because I would imagine that that experience of having dieted for so long and accepted these norms of like not having a cycle and, you know, yeah. like, I know so many people where they've, they've had that metabolic adaptation and, and like, um, like rebounding after shows where, I mean, they like, they don't, up there, they, you know, they go, they go diet down super hard. They burn like a thousand calories of cardio and then they eat like 800 calories a day. And then they strength train on top of that. Like their metabolism adapts and their hormones get all out of whack. And then all of a sudden it's post-show and it's like, all right, like you said, you go on vacation, then all of a sudden you're 10 pounds heavier and like bloated and it's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. Right. And Mm -hmm. I know so many people have gone through that. And I think it's, it's very, I would imagine very transformative also for you in the way that you, that you run your business, right. In the way that you work with clients and are, uh, are supporting them in creating their training programs and thinking about the way that you, that you do things and even the things that you say, um, when you're coaching them, right. Like I would imagine that that experience mm-hmm. was like really like almost like that, that fire inside where you're like, I want to make sure, like you said, you're looking and, you're on the stage and you're kind of realizing that there's not a lot of structure in training and there's not, there's a lot of misinformation and people are doing the wrong things. Like I want to kind of bring that, that lessons that I've learned. And so no, maybe somebody else doesn't have to go through it. Like I can't go back in time oh, yeah. and tell my old self this, but I'd love it if I could tell someone else's 20 year old self. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah. Right now I've made a lot of mistakes and I want to help you um, not have to make those mistakes. Like how, how is that transformed the way that you, uh, are working with clients as far as training, nutrition, and, and, and talk to me a little bit about that because I, w- I would imagine it's a huge impact. Yeah, it's a huge impact. So um, a female who works with me does have to understand that dieting phases for, for me are few and far between. Like, And we have to align lifestyle factors up to the diet phase. We also have to align biofeedback up to the diet phase. And I don't just like you telling me that your pants are tight. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to just drop calories for you. Like that's not where, why you should come to me. Um, That's also not how you're going to convince me that you need to go into a diet phase either. 
Um, it's just like, it, it takes a, it takes a rare breed of, of woman to let me unpack what she's not telling me and let me read between the lines of like, you know, where's your sex drive? Where's your hunger signals? How's satiety? Can you actually execute an untracked meal without overwhelming stress? Can you do it and then kind of get right back into the pocket of your macros the next day? Are you able to tune out the fact that you just had an untracked meal yesterday, but you're about to train legs today and you need to have a, you need to have a specific meal, even though we kind of opened floodgates yesterday. Like how can you close those floodgates? How's your mental energy around seeing the scale come up because you had an untracked meal? It's natural. How can you, can you assess how many days that scale takes to come back down and be okay with that? Um, teaching them to be objective about why the scale goes up and why it goes down. It's not so emotionally driven and it's science, it's science based on how your body has responded in previous times. So like, helping a woman understand that when you train legs, you're going to weigh more the next day. That's actually a good sign. Like I want to see transient fluid being retained for recovery purposes into the muscle cells. Like I want to know that that's happening. I want to know that's taking place. So reassuring them that like these scale spikes mean something and they're not bad. Just because the scale goes up does not mean it's bad. And that's where I have to break down how they're, how they think and how their psyche has been shaped around chasing smaller. Like I have to un help them see that, like, if you gain weight after leg day, you're actually getting stronger. Like, that's a good sign. Like, let's, let's now, now let's not train legs in another 48 hours. Let's not do another glute workout. Like, let's let the recovery happen. Let's let, let's see how much training induced inflammation happens from leg days. And when you start to get that baseline again, like where you start to see recovery actually had to, did its job. And now we're kind of back to that place where you feel a little bit tighter, though the scales coming back down from a crazy leg day. Okay. Now that's when she should train legs. It's not because her program that some magazine said that she needs to train legs every 48 hours. Well, you might not be able to train legs every 48 hours. I hate to break it to you, but three days a week, four days a week of lower body volume may not be how you succeed. Maybe Janet might be, Janet might be able to do that, but maybe Janet's a, a leaner physique. She has less surface area of tissue. And when it's prone to inflammation, it only lasts 24 hours. But girl, you are a former cheerleader, former gymnast, and you have a lot of surface area tissue in your legs and it needs more recovery time. So you're going to have a two day, you know, two day a week leg training volume. That's just how you're going to proceed with training legs <laughs> and like having them understand those bio, like those biological factors about themselves then helps them see like, wow, okay, I really can train for my body. I can train for my body type. I can train for my physique goals still. And that's where the individualized approach and custom coaching really, really is paramount in my opinion. Like, like I was telling you in our initial talk, eight and 12 week programs that are, that are based on not customized to the physique, to the individual's biofeedback and to the individual's body type, like just doesn't work for a lot of females. It may work initially in your, in your first initial part of your fitness journey, but like if you want to accomplish the physiques that you likely see and hashtag goals and comment on all the time, like you've got to break down how you particularly have to train. Like people ask me all the time, well, first off, I have to tell them I'm not in my 20s. Um, and so muscle maturity is a wonderful thing. And getting old is a great thing when it comes to getting the physique that you want. Um, and a lot of people are like, oh, I had no idea. I thought you were like 20 because you're bopping around on the Instagram posting pictures of flexing in the mirror. Like I get it. I'm really outside my league in that age demographic. But um, I, you know, telling them that I used to train like you did. I used to train lower body and then I would go do hit, hit out in my backyard or I would go do hit on the treadmill and then I'm hitting my legs again. And like, I was wondering why I was never developing tissue. I was constantly inflamed. What I thought was like cellulite on my legs is just actually water retention inflammation. That's what's causing that look. 
and I would I would negate it as cellulite. <laughs> I like, oh, I love cellulite so much. So it I I kept like thinking. So two two things. Number one, I love how you use like the biofeedback and uh and really their individual response, which likely like like you can t- like we can say, oh well, like you know if you gain a little bit of weight, then like consistently we're gonna have you train legs only twice a week, but most likely there's a bunch of other factors. Like you were talking about lifestyle factors too. It's like, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they're like fine with three days a week training legs, but then all of a sudden like work gets really stressful and the mm-hmm. way that the yeah. responds with that stress, because once again, training and, and, and dieting, like all this stuff is it's still stress, right? And so like their, their biofeedback markers change week to week. And so you have to, as yeah. a coach, read that. You ha- and, and, but what it does is it removes the emotional connection to the scale. The scale yeah. is a data point. The scale is my squat went up, you know, by five pounds, no different. My weight went up by a pound or two because I trained legs yesterday and now it's still coming down after two days. That means that maybe, you know, either I'm more stressed or, or yeah, like you said, maybe it's just the way yeah. that I respond. You no, know? um, yeah. I, I think that's like, that's such a smart way to, to think about coaching. Um, it, cause it just removes that, that emotional response. And, uh, what I'm, what I'm interested in too, is like you were kind of talking about unpacking that. And I'm sure when, when you're talking to people at first, like, uh, they have break breakthroughs, right? Like I, I was thinking about, um, this book called lost connections. I think I'm going to buy you like three books after this because this is a <laughs> book too. And it's about I'm like, a huge reader. So I, lo- I okay, love, I love reading. Me too. Uh, <laughs> Amazon loves me because I just buy the same books for a bunch of people. Um, but so there's this book called um, called Lost Connections by Johan Hari, and he's talking about um, like human connection and the importance of having purpose in your life, whether it's human connection or purpose to your work and, and, and stuff like that for depression and anxiety. But there's one thing he talks about, and it's like you need your you, – there's a story that tells about how like, you need your nausea. It tells us what's wrong with you, right? Yeah, like the stomach bug, and the doctor told him that. But I think it's like the same thing of like you need, you need to have your inflammation. Like, like you need to have that inflammation so we know how you're responding to training. Like we need to know that your weight is going mm-hmm. up, and that's a good thing because it tells us a very important uh, story about what's happening in your body so we can start mm-hmm. to better – uh, work on nutrition or, or training for you, right? It's like, it's almost like it, it like encourages them to be like, oh, good. Like I saw my weight went up. So that means that I can then tell when I can, when I'm ready to train legs next. Like it, it tells them very important things rather than it being, oh no, my weight went up. It's like, they get excited. They're like, okay, cool. Um, I get to learn something now. Um, and the relationship mm-hmm. is completely shifted, but it, it, I would assume doesn't happen overnight, right? Like you have people come in. No. And they see it and you're like, no, no, this is a good thing. You're okay. And they're like, but for the last, you know, 25 years of my life, since I was a child, I've been told that when your weight goes up, you're doing something wrong. Right. And I have to yeah. do everything I can make weight go down. How, how do you help them with that? Because that's, that's, that's hard. I mean, I, I've been a coach for 10 years and I still sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, I promise you it's okay. And after a year, they're still like, Oh, I'm a little bit nervous because my weight went up, you know, like, like how, how do you kind of help people with that? Um, so the biggest thing that I do is try to uh, either utilize my own physique as a tool, as a teaching tool. Um, I don't use that nearly as much um, because again, I don't want to throw, you know, my, my physique and transformation as like a pillar of how things should go about. But I literally weigh even more possibly on stage than I did in my 20s where I chased being smaller. And that is a entirely different level of leanness and an entirely different structure. But yet the scale weight has been somewhat similar. And, and what I have to teach them is that when I'm stage lean at this weight, when my body is optimal, it's at this weight. When my thyroid is functioning, when my hormones are regulated, this is the weight that my body has to sit at in order to get to that space. And in order to get to that point at which my body is safe and healthy and functional and strong and trains really well and have them disconnect this whole like number with how they view their body and put so much value in one particular number and put absolutely no value on how they get to live their life and how they get to perform in their life. And, you know, breaking that down takes time. It's definitely not a four week 
timeframe. Um, I definitely encourage my clients to reach out to me to do like three, six and 12 month programs. I offer the month to month options, but I do encourage the long-term commitment because it, it could take me six months to break that barrier with somebody. And I'm going to just be honest, like it can be too, you know, fighting tooth and nail um, because, you know, a client goes up in weight 0.5 pounds and then goes down in weight 1.5 pounds. And she wants to go back to seeing 1.5 go down. And I'm like, we can't just, you can't just focus on what happened two weeks ago. And you, you have to kind of let that go. You have to, you have to, progress forward you have to move forward and understand where your physique happens and showing them their progress um, in picture form of just because the scale weight was lower here doesn't mean that look is better um, I just did this for you know four or five clients this week who wanted to fight me on scale weight and I'm like look how smooth your legs look look how much tighter your glutes are and I can actually see your physical hamstring tissue now and, you know, oh, I gained, I gained an inch in my thigh. And I'm like, well, the hamstring moves out laterally from the body. So, so here's your hamstring in this picture. And here's your hamstring now. That's why you gained an inch in your thigh. I was like, the hamstring doesn't just move laundry, like it up and down. It moves outside the body. It's going to add width to your leg. And they're like, yeah, my, my jeans are so much looser. And I'm like, well, now you're telling me because I can see it right here in your pictures. And they're like, but I just, I want to lose my thighs. And I'm like, you're, t you're, you're reshaping your thighs. Your composition is shifting. I, I can't, you know, and, and I'm not a muscle atrophy coach. So like, I, I won't, I won't tear down muscle. Like that's just not my thing. Um, so yeah. I, I, I've, and I've lost clients and I'll be, I'm fully willing to admit that. Like, I'm not going to to put you through a muscle atrophy workout. That's not going to be my goal. Um, because again, I did that all in my twenties. I tore down my body and it hormonally ripped me a new one. Literally. Like I was a 40 year old woman on paper in my twenties. Perimenopausal, yeah. like, yeah, it was awful. So, um, you know, muscle is metabolically healthy. Muscle is metabolically showing how optimal your body is. And, and like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of women, you know, seeing what strength can teach them and what strength can do for them in all facets of their life, whether that I, be physical I love that. or internal. And, and to me, it's like, uh, I think it's, it's been really cool to see the conversation shift uh, from, I mean, I remember when I first got started, like you and I, we, you, you guys started two years before me and like, but back then it was very much so it was like you do cardio, um, to get lean strength training to get bigger. Uh, but the, the shift in the conversation, I think like you've been a huge part of it. Um, like Sue, Sue Bush has been a big part of it. Lane Norton, huge part, right? Like the conversation about like, no, you need, you need muscle. You need that to, to really like the conversation is more about metabolism in the way that the body is, uh, performing internally to then drive a change in physique. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think what I, what I like about the way that you think about things a lot is that, uh, looking at the human being on the other side and looking at those other things and how stress and chronic dieting can really affect our hormones and affect our ability to do certain things, but at the exact same time, educating and, and letting them know, like, you know, I, I mean, I've had clients where they're gen pop and, they're getting stronger. Like, you know, maybe for example, they can do a pull up for the first time and it's like super exciting. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, a week later they're like, I'm getting bat wings. Like, they're like, you know, whatever. They're just pointing at their lats. I'm like, yeah, you can do pull ups. Mm -hmm. Like you have a lat muscle. Like that's, that's an amazing thing. And you are uh, an extremely capable and uh, amazing human being. And like, you should be pr mm -hmm. like so proud of that. Like same thing, like your hand, Oh, my legs got bigger. Yeah. But like your hamstring is developing. And especially if you're getting on under the stage, that is a very good thing. You have hamstrings. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. Um, yeah, it's I, amazing. <laughs> like high five. You, what you think yeah. was a, a bad thing was a good thing. And, and, and I think like we talked a little bit before about how you, how you think about the way that you track progress and deliver programs, mm -hmm. I think it's very supportive of that. Right. And, and 
sometimes it's hard because you're we're in the fitness industry and there's plenty of mentors uh, that will teach you, oh, do this, you know, like, you know, quick eight week program and then, you know, see, like, don't really do anything for them and kind of like scam them out of some money, right? Um, but on the other side, there's people like you who have like, I think it's, it's the purpose and the passion because of your previous experiences that really like have created a, a way to track progress and, and help clients find success um, in a way that is, is actually going to serve them. And it requires a little bit more effort from you, right? Like it, mm-hmm. it, at the end of the day, you actually have to coach them. It's not just set it, forget it, eh, whatever. But you actually have to coach them. And, and I think that's amazing. Like talk, talk me through like when you're tracking progress and delivering programs, like how, how do you do it? Because I know you, there's some really cool stuff that you're working on or that you do. Yeah. So, um, first off, if a client, you know, joins my roster, their check-in process for them, as far as time goes, they should be probably spending 20 to 30 minutes compiling the data for me. If they haven't been doing on a day-to-day basis and they do it, say the morning of their check-in, you're going to need to give me time. Like if I'm going to give you time and give you, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of my analyzing of the data, that I'm going to have to do, like, you're going to have to give me the data. Like, don't give me an empty macro tracker. Uh, I need to know, I need to know more than just your weight and macros. Like I I can't, I can't analyze just weight and just macros. Um, So, you know, there's like a sleep column. There's uh, some of my clients, we've got to track caffeine. Some of them need to be monitored on caffeine. Some of them need to be monitored on bowel movements. Sometimes they need to be monitored on how many meals out did they actually eat and how many meals they prepared in their home? Um, did they, did they, um, you know, uh, what's the other thing that's kind of random? Uh, uh, well, a lot of my female clients will do, will do basal body temperature, um, to monitor ovulation patterns. Um, that's a big one. Um, monitoring ovulation patterns, like, okay, if we're in, uh, you know, day, day one of the cycle, are you going to see a midweek fluctuation when, or, you know, mid cycle fluctuation because ovulation starts to onset. Like what is, what does day 14 look like to you from 14 to 18? Do you look, do you like have this different look in your physique? Do you have a different response in training and on the scale during the, those four days where ovulation starts to set in? Like, that's a big thing. Like I, my macro trackers are not just macro trackers. They're literally catered and I build on how many columns my client needs based on what we need to uncover. What we need to unpack is going to be how much columns of information we have. So again, I don't have one macro tracker for one client. I have 30 different trackers um, because I have clients who have 30 different individual needs. And then when it comes down to training, um, they have to fill out every single set that they complete, every single load that they put on a bar or put in their hand or put on their back. They tell me what that load is. They tell me how their reps were. They tell me what their RP felt like at that set. Like your tracker, it takes, it takes them a while to fill out their data for me. It's, it's, you're putting in just as much homework as I'm giving to you. Um, and that's, I think, uh, and that's where coaching becomes a two way street. And if they can't commit to that amount of time and they can't wrap their mind around being analytical about their data with me, then typically, you know, it, it becomes too challenging. It becomes too difficult, come, becomes too time consuming. And, and I understand that. I, then, like I said, I'm not, I'm not trying to appeal to, you know, an eight or 12 week mass client. I'm trying to appeal to somebody who wants a long-term understanding of their body, a long-term understanding of tra- training progression and overall health and longevity in this, not just eight and 12 weeks because your body looks also vastly different from year to year. And every dieting phase also looks vastly different. We can never replicate a diet phase. It's not happening. So whatever that diet looked like last year, we can look, we can use it based on, you know, we can look at it for reference, but guess what? You're a year older. You've changed jobs this year. You aren't in school. You're working full time instead of being in school. Like, it's cool. It's cool to have that backlog. Don't get me wrong, but literally we have to, we have to deal with the body that's in this setting right now. And if you have no logging, if you have no tracking of that, um, and they're not providing you enough information for you to read between the lines as a coach, I would be doing them a disservice. I would be 
just throwing a non-custom coaching approach at them because again, I, I don't have enough details to be custom with you. I don't have enough details to give you what it is that you deserve as a human body <laughs> that is completely intricate and unique to somebody else's body. I I love that. And and uh and I think it's it's interesting too because like I I wonder like when you were saying that, do you ever have people kind of graduate? Because I would imagine that like they're gonna learn so much from you. Like they're going to be so uh I would say very empowered, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. they understand their body like they understand the fluctuations you know that they're mm-hmm. they're almost like a scientist you know and and stuff yeah. like that and i would imagine that like there are people where they kind of graduate and they're like i understand my body so well or you're, you know maybe they phase yeah. out of doing shows or whatever but they they kind of come to that point where they're like i'm so like in tune with what's happening that i feel like uh i can graduate and, and does that ever happen and like i would imagine that that's kind of a good thing it's like i've done my job like, yeah I've really made an impact Oh yeah. Leading, uh, leading a client into the wild is what I say. And, and those farewell emails definitely happen. Um, because you know, eventually you get to that point where your lifestyle factors, um, you know, might change. You don't have the time to devote to like weekly check-ins. Um, you, your business is progressing as a fitness professional. I have quite a few fitness professionals on my roster, um, because we are people who need, um, uh, to, save ourselves. (laughs) There's a reason why I have a coach, um, as well, but, um, I also foster the athletic mindset and the athletic mindset is that there's always room to learn. There's always room to uncover something. And when I foster that athletic mindset, it becomes, it becomes this internal drive in my client to constantly be better, be healthier, be stronger. And I think that while I love sending a client off into the wild and I don't coddle and handheld and make them completely dependent on me, I empower them with understanding their capability and understanding their, what literally my first coach ever gave to me, which was untapped potential. When you have an athletic mindset, you constantly are aware of an untapped potential that you have. And so you strive to find out more. You strive to dig a little deeper. You strive to get stronger. You strive to perform better. You strive to constantly see more optimal performance and optimal internal functioning. And so, yes, I do send clients off into the wild, but because I foster that athletic approach and that athletic mindset, we're always practicing. We're always getting better. We're always uncovering more data. Um, and, and especially for me as your coach, if I've had you on my roster for 167 weeks, like I just yesterday checked in with a client who's been on my roster for 167 weeks and that's interrupted weeks. Like she's gone on vacations for two months at a time. She's, you know, taken breaks for, uh, and I, she's still my, she's still been my client through that. We still kept some backlog stuff. Like, I think it's been like a three and a half year relationship. It's because I fostered that athletic mindset in that individual. And she knows that last year she's a different human than she is this year. And she knows that there's something that, you know, she can improve upon this year. And like we crossed, we finally crossed the mark of this territory where she actually started to stabilize and actually get leaner in a reverse diet. And she's hormonally never been able to be that individual. A lot, you know, they, they say that there, there's this, these like black sheep in the industry who, who, who post about their reverse diets on Instagram, who get leaner in their reverse diet. And yes, that exists. And it, it's, it's, it's not wrong or right, whether you're that individual or not. But like, this was the first time we actually tapped into it. I think it was the first time her body was optimal enough to actually go in that direction and respond positively to a large calorie shift quickly. And that doesn't mean her body was wrong two years ago or that our body was unhealthy two years ago, but it's just more optimal this year. And like, if she had let quote, you know, if I had put her off into the wild two years ago, she may never have gotten to this point and gotten to see like that untapped potential I talked about. Like, so yes, it's awesome to lead a client and to educate them enough to feel confident to go out on their own. But I have, I do have a lot of people who come back because they're like, wow, like I, I really love the week to week learning about my body. I, I forgot how much I enjoyed that. I forgot how much I really need that to continue to progress in the gym and to continue to take care of me and put me first. 
Um, because again, a lot of moms, a lot of working professional women, if nobody's helping them take care of themselves, they're not taking care of themselves. And that's just, I'm guilty as charged. I have to have a coach because I don't sit there and, and I don't, I wouldn't sit there and track my macros if I didn't have one. Uh, an athlete needs a coach. If you want to be an athlete for life, you need to have somebody in your corner with you at all times. Unbelievable. I mean, that was, uh, that was brilliant. And, and to me, it's like, I feel like it, it almost becomes like self-care for them to work with you yeah. and learn. And like they, they, they embrace their body. They embrace everything about yeah. it because they're learning about it and they realize that it's an amazing thing. And, and, and we yeah, all it's need my, it's my health insurance plan. I spend more on my coach than I do on my healthcare because my part of my coach is part of my healthcare. Like it's part of unwrapping things that the medical profession isn't going to give me that time. Like you go in for your annual physical, it's 30 minutes a year. Seriously. You're going to uncover what you need to know about my body in 30 minutes in a year time. Come on now. Their job is to keep you alive, not to keep you optimal. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think like it's, it's so, uh, it's so refreshing to hear that, right? Because there's so much of that stuff out there where, they get so focused on, I think, the the how of like, mm-hmm. you know, how does this person train? Well, like, here's your three day per, you know, three leg days per week, or they don't really get focused enough on. I think you can get too focused on like little things that don't matter, where people are like focused on like one hormone um, and not looking yeah. at everything, not looking at lifestyle. Yeah. Like, there's so many things. Yeah. Um, and it's like I think there's like this element of like what you're doing, where you're looking at high level, but also looking mm-hmm. at like the, the right data points to tell. Where is that high level having an effect on, on certain things? Um, so I know, I know we're coming up a little bit on, on time, but I do want to ask, I always ask everybody one question at the end. It's a hard question. I apologize um, ahead of time. But what was, if you look back at your journey, uh, what was kind of the biggest surprise for you, right? Like what was something where you were really surprised by a lesson that you learned or um, just something that you kind of had like as a, as a takeaway from, you know, 12 years in the field, you're learning a lot, you're doing amazing things. I'm, I'm like so inspired. I have all these notes, like I'm, I'm pumped right now. Uh, but I'd love to hear from you. Like, what was a big surprise? Like as, as you kind of got into this and, and learned. Um, at 150 pounds, I can still be relatively lean and functioning optimally. At five, yeah. I'm almost, I'm barely five, six. Like I'm barely tapping on that door. Like they want to put me in five, six every time they measure me. And I know that I'm not, um, I know that. Um, so for being a more muscular woman and for being, you know, where I am structurally, like there is nothing wrong with me at 150 pounds. And I'm actually because I've taken care of my body and because I've taken care of my hormones, I'm actually relatively lean and I can go on vacation and I can not track for an entire seven days and I can go to an all-inclusive resort and I can live a life not devoted to an app and not devoted to even training. Like I can skip a week now. Like that, that experience for me over the past year to two years of being able to have a so much more resilient body just by accepting that this is the weight of resiliency for me. This is what it's going to look like. Now, every year that I get to that weight, I get to be leaner at that weight, but every year I'm going to get there. Like I can diet, but I'm never going to be my stage weight. I'm never going to be close to it. There's, there's just never, that's never going to happen for me. My reverse diet is going to take me back to my body's homeostasis space of safety and optimal internal health functioning. And I just have to get to improve upon what that looks like composition wise every single year. And that's really, really cool. Like big light bulb for me, big on fire moment, big, like I want every single female to get to this point in her life because my God, it took me 35, 30. I got to it in 30 at 33. And like, we're always evolving and I get that. And again, muscle maturity and, and just overall maturity is, is an amazing thing and, and self-confidence and self body and your body image does, does take time to develop. So I, I don't expect a lot of women in their early twenties, mid twenties to just, to just have this light bulb moment either. But I think it can, I think it is possible. 
I think I could have got here sooner if I took a little bit of my blinders off. Um, and if I, and if I didn't think that every competitor, every female got to stay small and, 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 and stay optimal, like what you see in a, in a, in a two by two inch square of an individual on Instagram, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they ate yesterday. You don't know what they ate five minutes ago. You don't know if they took that picture fasted in the morning. You, you don't know. And, and like, you can't base your body and your standards for your life off what you see in a two by two photo. Um, now stories of, oh, well, stories have made things different. We get to see things in more real time, but still, um, everybody's body is so different. And like it, you know, people, people just don't, I, I just, I, I have no desire to continue to diet anymore. Like this, this season was like a lot for me to take in because I was like, man, I really liked my life, not competing. Like I loved it because I finally got to a place of complete acceptance of my physique, complete understanding of my body, complete uh, annihilation in the gym, like never been so strong in my entire life. And um, that was just like an on fire year for me. Um, and it gave me so much more sense of accomplishment than any stage time ever gave me. Cause I was like, man, I put in the work. Like I was able to achieve a relatively healthy body composition with great density at 25 pounds above my stage weight. Cool. I got to go on vacation for seven days, not track a thing, live my life for seven days, all inclusive, all inclusive, come home, gain a pound and a half, like maybe a pound and a half. Yeah. Like crazy. No, that's like, yeah, like no, like. And, and I'm not saying that you're going to get here by having a coach for a year. Like you've, you've heard my journey. My first coach happened in 2015. Um, so I didn't get here overnight by any means, but like just full acceptance of, of putting my body look and image to a, a blood panel and going, okay, this is where Chanel's body is optimally functioning. So this is what I have to accept as, you know, what, what my body's going to look like. I just have to enjoy and find, find true happiness within that picture of perfect health and optimal lifestyle living. And I think that that's where, you know, and, and understanding that th that's cool. And I get to improve composition wise now at this weight. Like every time I get to, you know, my, my homeostasis space, my weight and my look can, can be totally, I mean, my weight will likely be the same, but my look can be totally different. And that's the beauty of body composition shifting. It's not a, it's not an actual number on the scale necessarily. It's how you're looking and how you're performing and then how you look internally on paper. That's where the like beauty of body composition is like, wow. It's <laughs> yeah. Literally the number means the least of that equation. I just get to use it as like a tracking point for where my body's going to typically hover around like between five to six pounds is, is, is this range of, 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 of a homeostasis space that based on my density, based on my body type, based on my uh, bone density and water volume, like this is, this is where Chanel's going to live a happy life and look optimal and perform well. Like I can, like in my off season, I think my weight got up to, and we, we pushed the envelope this time. Cause we, when you, when you're a physique athlete, you're going to have to get outside a comfort zone. Um, and you're just going to have to accept that as part of being a physique athlete. But we pushed, I think, you know, I think I got to 152, 153. We gained, we pushed a little bit, three pounds and I never had tested my squat rep max. Like never done that. Like that's just, a, I'm not, I, I'm not a power lifter. There's no real reason in my programming to have ever gone that route. But I was like, before I diet again, I want to see what this body really is capable of. Like, I just really want to tap into it. And I, like, I put two, I think 260, 265 on my back for the first time in my entire life. And I, I just was like, I just killed it. And like, I didn't try again because I know I was tapped out at that point because it took me like nine sets to get to that because I had no idea of my strength potential. So I was already way deep into fatigue at that point. And I was like, you know what? I need to protect my spine. That's a lot of loading. 
we'll just call it 265, 260, wherever I was at at the time. I don't remember. Um, but we'll just call that what it is. That's and so like, that amazing. Was really, that was so cool for me. So cool for me to see. And I was like, okay, now I can diet. I'm good now. I'll diet yeah. now. I love that. And then uh, I, I think like two weeks, I think two weeks later, we, we started our prep or something like that. <laughs> and as, as a power lifter myself, what I would say is number one, whenever you hit a one rep max for the first time, it's always going to feel heavy. You probably had even more in you, but it's just getting comfortable. Oh, I weight. And number yeah, two, I, know I, I feel your pain. Cause sometimes like my coach, he's amazing. He's like a madman, And, uh, but he's, it's been interesting. Cause sometimes like we won't test, like I normally like do sumo deadlifts and like we'll do variations for a long time. And then I'll start pulling sumo and I'll do the same thing. Where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to put on the bar. Like I just hit my old PR but I have no idea what I can do next. Like I'd pulled 530 yeah. and then I pulled, I pulled like I was using chains and pulling sumo. And I was like, I was like, dude, I just hit 550 with chains and it was easy. Uh, yeah, I've that's only how it was. 530. I have no idea what to do. And he's like, go up by 15. <laughs> so I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. So like, I just kept going up. And at that point, like there's just that accumulation that you just, uh, you get a little fearful of continuing to push yeah. that envelope because you know, like, you know, it felt, easy but you also know that the body is 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 gonna break down eventually and to yeah. have that amount of weight on your back breaking down eventually it's kind of nerve-wracking and once you do the little <laughs> micro jumps by like five pounds you're like dude i'm at almost a one right max five pounds is you know i'm still tired uh so how can yeah. people get you have amazing instagram your dog has an instagram he needs more followers or whatever both of your dogs i, I agree i agree yeah. my dogs they they you know my husband takes care of their instagram account and you know he's not an instagrammer so they're a little lacking um mm. but you can follow you can follow both herschel brown and louis brown um that is their middle names <laughs> brown I brown dog it. um and, but yeah, you can find me, uh, Chanel Collette on Instagram. And, uh, then you can check out all of my coaching and my team of coaches at audaciousathletes.com. And yeah, that's where you can, Oh, I have a YouTube channel. I forget I'm on YouTube, even though through this quarantine, I've been really good and trying to get a video up a week. Um, and you can find me at Chanel, uh, Chanel Collette on YouTube as well. I, it's amazing I that you forget that you have a YouTube channel. I looked at it today. You have 19,000 subscribers and somehow forgot that you'd have one. So I'm very well, impressed. <laughs> well, well, like I told you, I have this, I have this qualm with, with Instagram or with social media because yes, I have those subscribers. But like when I had uh, five to 10,000 subscribers, I had more video views than I do at 19. Yeah. So like, I don't know where these like, 5,000 people are like what they're doing, like why they're not watching my stuff, like why YouTube's not giving them their algorithm to catch me. And I like, I know that they're subscribed to my channel. So like either these people just don't care about my videos and they want to subscribe because they're being nice. I don't know. Watch the videos. There's a lot of fun stuff in there. If you're subscribed to Chanel's YouTube channel, please watch it. Um, <laughs> or well, subscribe. And I know. <laughs> I, I know that people subscribe for my fitwear reviews because of the time I did work. I worked for Lululemon for quite a while. And so I, I do love doing fitwear reviews. It's kind of my, if I was not a coach, I would work for Lululemon. Like hands down, I would have pursued that 100%. Um, I absolutely adore the company. I adore their policies. I adore how they run their business. Um, and I, the textile research behind what they do is incredible and I love bringing that information uh, and, and bringing that to light on some of the Fitspo uh, fitwear. <laughs> and so I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty uh, gnarly fitwear reviewer because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ream them for a lot of things. Um, but I'm also going to compliment them because there's a lot of cool brands out there that are utilizing, you know, textile manufacturing in a really, really cool way. And that, like they, that deserves to be showcased too because guess what? It's probably cheaper than Lululemon. I'm, yeah, I love Lululemon, but I hate paying for it. I'm 100% yeah. watch and then either buy my fiance some really nice active wear uh, as a result yeah. or just be like, all right, let's see if this brand has any men's clothes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to school for anything that I do now. I went to school for public relations and marketing and, and, and journalism. So uh, YouTube is my way of still keeping some of that part of my soul out into the world. <laughs> 
I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I'm like, I'm all jazzed up. I think everybody's going to love this episode. You crushed it. Great. Thanks. Appreciate it.